So uh, somebody left some keys in the lobby, and Len is going to put them back by the sound booth. So if that's you, and, uh, and your car brand starts with an F, uh, it's a Ferrari key. You can go you know, check over there at the, at the sound booth. So let's, let's say that God put it on your heart to build something. And let, let's say that the thing that God put on your heart to build is something beautiful and something powerful and something eternal. And let's say that you start building that thing because you want to please the Lord and you want your life to matter. And so you start doing the hard work and you start building this thing for him. And, and you can even feel and sense the pleasure of the Lord. You're like, man, my life is actually accomplishing something that will last. Like, this is so cool. I get to listen to the Lord and follow him and walk with him and, and look at what he's doing in my life. Look what he's doing through my life that will matter. And, and let's say that while you're building this, there are some people around you that don't get it. And they start questioning, what are you really, what are you doing that for? Why are you spending your time doing that? I mean, what about your retirement? Well, how, why are you doing this? I mean, what about your, you know, you got, you got these needs and you, you got weeds in your front yard, dude. Like, why are you doing that? And, and let's say that while you're building this thing that matters, that, that you sense God's pleasure. And what if you actually see people in your life start kicking down some of the blocks that you're laying? What if, what if they start pulling away at the stuff that you're trying to build? What if they're talking about you behind your back saying, you know, Kevin's nuts. He, we all know it. I mean, look, here's proof. Look, he's trying to do this thing. And, you know, who really cares about this holier-than-thou thing that's going on? Does it seem like in your life, sometimes when you try to do the right thing, try to build the godly thing, try to follow Jesus in a way that's practical and real and sometimes in public, sometimes you face opposition. It's almost like there's a spiritual Murphy's Law that as you're building things that really matter, anything that could go wrong might go wrong, right? So over, over the last couple of weeks, I feel like God's put me in a few places where I've been building something for his glory, which has been really cool. So working with uh, churches in our area and helping pastors to be unified and work together and, and some really cool stuff has been starting to be built. And then also at the same time, you know, a few people are trying to kick out some of these blocks and a few people are, you know, running the other direction. And like, what is that? And, and, and I feel like as, as a family, we, we've seen some great strides forward with building some peace and some better communication, and especially with my adult you know, boys, and it's just solid stuff. And then you feel like you know, we're, we're, re, we're reaching this level of the wall, and then some stuff just starts to fall down. And you're like, well, wait a minute. And, and as a church, new momentum and some really great stuff happening and, and new people getting involved in ministry and this and that. And then, you know, you know, people talking over here and then, you know, maybe the um, finances aren't very good over here and then this is a problem over here. 
stuff happens, right? So we should all have a shirt that says stuff happens, I think. But it, it seems like when we're in those positions of building something that matters and stuff starts happening that is contrary to it, sometimes it makes me and it may make you wonder, like, did I hear God? Is that what he asked me to do? Well, why is it, why am I facing this? Or it makes us doubt ourselves. Well, maybe he called me to do this, but I don't have what it takes. Maybe he, you know, maybe, maybe he's got somebody else that needs, or, or maybe we start doubting, you know, just that, that it's even possible to build something that will last. So today we're going to get into that because it's real. And as I've talked with a few of you over this last couple weeks, some of you are facing some hard stuff, some obstacles, some issues, some frustrations, and you're tempted to just throw in the towel and go like, uh-uh, this is not worth it. So we're going to learn from the story of Nehemiah. Have you ever heard of him? That's good because we've been studying him for five weeks. So... So turn to Nehemiah chapter 6, if you will. Uh, just a quick recap, Nehemiah 1, 2, 3, those chapters, Nehemiah finds out there's trouble in Jerusalem, and he weeps and prays and fasts about it. God provides what's needed through the king to rebuild. Chapter 3, they build a whole bunch of stuff, and most of the people are on board, and they really do start to build this wall that had been broken down for 100 years. Chapter 4, they face opposition from outside. They get through it. Chapter 5, the people from inside are not in unity. They are frustrated with each other over finances and not sharing and not seeing each other's brother and sister. They get through it. So now it's smooth sailing, except for chapter 6. So let's look at chapter 6, verse 1. Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, dot, 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 they sent to me saying, come and let us meet together in the plain of Ono. But look at this line, but they intended to do me harm. They were lying. Hey, come on, let's have a meeting. It'll be great. We'll talk about your successes, right? Not so much. Verse 3, so I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way. I think this is interesting because I think if somebody came to me four times with the same thing, they might start to wear me down. And I'm like, well, maybe I should think about going to meet with these guys who might kill me. Wow. And I answered them in the same manner. Verse 5, in the same way, Sanballat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. Look at this. He's making up crazy lies against the man of God. It's reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you're building this wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim in you in Jerusalem, there's a king in Judah. And now the king is going to hear about those reports because I'm going to tell him, right? What a jerk. I'm, I'm, not only does he want to hurt Nehemiah and knock him out, not only does he want to discredit this place, Jerusalem, but he's, he's going way out of his way to make up stories and to distract 
and tempt Nehemiah to give up and, and, uh, and to even threaten him with, I'm going to tattle on you to the king, right? So then um, verse 8, then I sent to him saying, no such thing as you say have been done, for you're inventing these things in your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it won't be done. So look what Nehemiah does, his usual thing. He prayed, but now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. So we see this pattern over and over and over again in the book of Nehemiah. He prays and he gets back to work. He doesn't just pray and he doesn't just work. He does both, right? So then we would think everything would be okay unless we have read Nehemiah because we know that there may be another thing coming, right? So another thing comes in verse 10 through 14. Um, there's a false prophet who, uh, well, they're just a prophet. We don't know for sure if they're false yet in the text. And, and the prophet says, hey, Nehemiah, the bad guys are going to come kill you, but I've got an idea. Come hide in the temple. They won't find you there, and you'll be safe. Now, the problem is that temptation sounds good on, on the front, right? Save your life so you can lead the people, get, continue the work. Hey, the bad guys are coming. You know it, right? The bad guys already threatened you five times, so come on over here. The problem is it disobeys God's law for him to go hang out in the temple and, and wait there until trouble passes. And this prophet person knows that if Nehemiah does it, it discredits him in front of all the people as disobedient to God's law. And it puts him in a totally different place where he's going to be no longer able to lead the people and accomplish God's goal. Whoa. So look at verse 11. Should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I won't go. He didn't see breaking God's law as worth it, even if it saved his life. I want to be more like that. I hope you want to be more like that. Sometimes we break God's law just out of convenience, out of, you know, uh, just fall into temptation or selfishness. He's like, no, I'm not going to do it. Even if I die, I'm not breaking God's law. And it was better for him to set a good example of the people than to do anything this, this person said. And he stuck to his guns. And here's my favorite person who sticks to his guns. Let's see if we have that picture. Do we have that person? So if you are tempted to fall, to fail, to be distracted, to lose sight of what God's doing in your life, I hope you'll remember this picture. So there's something about Yosemite Sam. We laugh and we, you know, he's a joke. But the guy's got focus and the guy's got passion. And, and he's kind of scary, even though he's like this tall. And, and, I, and I feel like I want to have this kind of passion to say, I'm not going to break God's law. I'm not going to break God's heart. I'm going to do what he says no matter what. So let me, let me ask you this. Um, what is God doing in and through your life right now? Maybe those are separate questions. What's God doing in you? Okay, think about, hopefully you're thinking of something right now and it's not just, right, crickets. Okay, what is God doing in your life right now? What is God doing through your life right now? Well, I have no idea. Okay, well, let's start from where you are. So 
do you have a rock word for the year? Have you prayed and said, God, what do you want to do in my life? What do you want to do through my life this year? This is a bunch of rock words that you wrote down in January. So that can be an indicator of what God wants to do in and through your life. Maybe you forgot your rock word. Oh, wait, I should go find that again. Yeah. Maybe you've never done this before and need to ask God, what do you want to do in me? What do you want my life to be building? What does that even look like? If you ask him, he will tell you. Now, what's interesting is sometimes he won't tell you in that five-minute period. Sometimes we as Americans, we're like, okay, God, I got a lot to do. Like, can you hurry this up? And the Lord's like, I'm the creator of the universe. Like, back off. Like, I will talk to you when I feel like it, right? So now he's more loving. He wouldn't speak like that. I don't, well, maybe he would. But, but for us, we need to, in humility and in faith, say, Lord, show me. What is my life supposed to be about? And what do you want to build in me and through me? And start there. So, so let's say that you know God wants to build this through my life this year. God wants me, about, me to be about this this year. Maybe it's focusing on your family. Maybe it's focusing on your marriage. Maybe it's a ministry that God's given you or, or a people group that he wants you to pray for and get to know and, and maybe someday go and work with. I don't, I don't know what it is, but he does. So as you follow God, as you build a life for him, are you facing obstacles? You can nod, right? Because odds are Stuff doesn't always go as planned. So if you want to build something, you're going to take four trips to Home Depot. You're not going to take one trip to Home Depot. No one ever takes one trip to Home Depot. Right? That's their business model. So if you're trying to build something, if you're trying to be about something important, you're going to run into junk. Right? That's the biblical term for the stuff that we face. So here's a question, who or what is it that distracts you from the work that God wants to get done? Sometimes it's, especially this last two years, it could just be anxiety or, or depression that creates a wall that keeps you from building a wall. And, and the Lord wants to work on this so that you can be free to serve him and, and do what he wants to do, right? Uh, sometimes there are people in our lives that drag us down big time. There are people that don't believe in us, that, that criticize us, that say, say all kinds of stuff uh, against us and keep us from getting it, getting it done. Um, and and let, me, let me ask this too. Um, will you give in to the distractions? Will you give in to the temptation? Will you give in to those voices? Or will you fight the good fight daily, understanding that's part of the process? Nehemiah could have, and you might read this and go, man, he should have given up. How many times do things have to go wrong for this poor guy? I mean, he's just trying to build the city. He's trying to do what God called him to do, and yet all heck breaks loose regularly, right? So he could have said, I, I'm, I tried, Lord, I'm sorry. But I'm packing it up. I'm going back to Persia. I got a good gig there. You know, there's, there's good wine in the king's courts, and I'm the, I'm the wine steward, so I'm, I'm out. He didn't do that because God gave him a challenge, and God gave him a calling, 
and he knew that for the good of the people and for the reputation of the Lord, it needed to be finished, not started. It needed to be finished. Anybody can start a marathon. Raise your hand if you can start a marathon. Keep your hand up if you can finish it. Yeah, we have, we have someone who's not here that could easily do that. So, but, but the, here's the thing. It's going to be hard, and it, and it takes stick to right, to do the things that God has asked us to do, and we can't bug out and quit along the way. So, so here are the words from Nehemiah that I, I want to deliver to you, that the Lord wants to deliver to you. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Would you say that out loud? I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. You can say that to the devil. I'm doing a great work, and I can't... (laughs) Sorry, I can't have you bother me right now. You can say that to people in your life in a different way. They may be a little confused if you say it like this, but you could say, I'm doing something really important right now. I'll get back to you. You could not take the text, not listen to the newscast, not take somebody's call because God's got you doing something. You can get back to him later, but some of us have just spiritual and regular old ADD, and we're just all over the place. But the Lord has work for us to do, and the enemy wants to keep us so distracted we cannot do it, right? So here's a question. Are the people in your life helping you do the thing God's called you to do or hurting you and keeping you from doing it? Sometimes we have people in our lives that are the wrong people around us, and they keep us from following Jesus and building a life in Him. Here's why. Sometimes it makes them feel convicted, and it makes them feel strange that you're doing it right. And that's not your fault, but it it convicts them, and they feel like, oh, geez. And so what do they do? They got to criticize you rather than themselves. They're like, well, you're just, you can't do this. You can't, because it makes them feel better. I remember going through a season in my life, uh, I was working at the Hungry Hunter, and I was really trying to get my life together. Like, the Lord had taken all these little broken pieces, and he, like, basically put them together with duct tape. That was my life. And he's like, okay, so we're going we're gonna to take some steps. Here we go. And there were people around me that didn't get it and gave me such a hard time because I wouldn't party with them, and I wouldn't put up with their junk, and I wouldn't do stupid stuff anymore. And it affected them because they felt so, like, we need you back. They didn't need me back because I was their friend. They needed me back because they felt convicted about their own lives. And I wasn't pointing out, like, you do, you are, I wasn't a jerk. I just was missing. And I was like, I got, I got more important stuff to do right now, and I love you guys, but I got to go do this thing. So, so a couple guys started calling me Little Jesus. And I was like, what is that? Like, so, so I turned it around, and I said, well, thank you for the compliment. I'm really trying you know, but, but it just became so annoying, and, and, and I felt like the Lord gave me a verse, and, and I want to give it to you that this may be, some, I, I wouldn't use this on somebody, but what you do, it's not, it's not to be weaponized, but what you do with it is you understand, okay, there are people in my life that are not going to get it. This is not their God. This is their God. This is their God. So check, check out this verse, and, and it says, Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Uh, Look at this line. Their glory is in their shame. There are people that brag about the wrong stuff. 
There are people that make a really big deal about this and that and the other thing, and it's not about following Jesus. And their minds are on earthly things. So that verse, it didn't make me angry at people. It made me understand where they're coming from. And it made me kind of say, like, i got to pray for them. And i got to keep doing my thing and understand that their mind is in a different place. Their God is different than mine. Now would be a good time, Len, for you to say amen. amen. Okay. <laughs> so you might even have the same situation as Nehemiah going on where people are distracting you, maybe even lying, maybe even making up stuff behind your back. Some of you in this room have gone through seasons like that. So, so what do you do? Nehemiah set a great example. He said, Lord, strengthen my hands. He didn't give up. He didn't have a pity party. He didn't waste a lot of time. He didn't, he didn't even start a support group. He just said, Lord, strengthen my hands so I can do what you called me to do. So what's the result if you stick with it and do what God has called you to do? You become more like Jesus. And check this out, the people around you do too. This isn't just for you. So if you continue to follow Jesus and build what he wants to build in your life, through your life, it affects everybody. That's interesting. So Hebrews 12, I I love this, this picture that we have. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and this is probably the people who've died ahead of us, the heroes of the faith, and it could be figurative, like, Therefore, since we have the testimony, the story of all these great saints, then let us do this. It could also be that they're actually cheering us on like we're running a marathon and all these people are like, go Julie! And you're like, that was St. Paul. Like, that's so cool. He's cheering me on, right? So let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. How many of you heard these verses? Okay, stick with me because verse 3 is where we're going. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter or finisher of our faith. For the joy, look at that word, set before him he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now look at this. The context is important. Look at verse 3. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. Why? So that... We won't grow weary and lose heart. Did Jesus face hard times? Did Jesus give up? Did Jesus face stuff harder than I ever will? Did Jesus give up? Okay. This is important stuff that we say, consider, remember the people who've gone before us. Remember the heroes of the faith. Remember the stories in here. If you've never read them, read them. And remember that He is cheering you on. He's the finisher of your faith. You're not. And yeah, but I don't feel equipped to do... Great, I don't feel equipped to finish my faith. I don't feel equipped to live out my faith. And that's what I bring to the Lord every day, and I go, Lord, help me, because you can do this. I can't. But through me, he can. In me, he can. And I got to remember, he is the example and the one who does the work in me. So I keep coming to him when I get frustrated rather than giving up. So what will be the result? We talked about what would be the result if we stick to it. What's the result if we don't? For Nehemiah, if he didn't stick with it, if he gave in to the distractions, guess what would have happened? He would have been killed. If, if on the fifth time he's like, okay, I'll go meet with you guys, he would have been killed. 
Interesting. In our lives, if we don't stick with it, we may not die. But, but think about this. Something in us might die. There may be something in your life that God has led you to do that He is building in you and through you. He wants to, fruit to come out of your life. And if you bug out, that never happens. And so it's interesting to me that we have a real enemy who really wants us gone. Nehemiah had a real enemy who really wanted him discredited, at least, and maybe dead. And in our lives, Satan wants us knocked out, gone. And at the very least, not fruitful, not peaceful, not hopeful, right? Nothing good coming out of our lives. And there are things in our lives that if we don't deal with them, habits, addictions, uh, even relationships, they can lead to pretty bad places. Sometimes our habits can kill us and at the very least make us unfruitful. At the very least make our lives not really matter for eternity. And that's, that's, that's giving in to the lies and the confusion and the distractions of the enemy. So let's wrap this up. What is the great work that God has called you to do right now? I hope you've had a couple minutes to think about it. I hope you've had a couple months to think about it as we've been going, getting in this series. What's the one thing that needs your attention this year? And don't think about if it's eight or nine things, you'll never get that done. But just say, Lord, what's one thing you want me to focus on? What is that, that thing that would glorify you, that you want, you want to build in my life, through my life? It could also be something that needs to be rebuilt. It could be a broken down relationship, or your body needs rebuilding, or your marriage needs rebuilding right? Because that's the picture of the city of Jerusalem. They start from scratch. They used the stuff to rebuild. And know that distractions and attacks are going to happen. But here's what you got to hear. God's bigger than that. Well, why would you say that, Kirk? Well, because I've experienced it and because of this next verse. <laughs> so, so check this out, Nehemiah 6.15. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. So, know how we've been on this roller coaster journey with Nehemiah? Things don't go well, then things go well, then things don't go well. He finished the wall, even with all these obstacles, even with all of this stuff happening inside and outside the walls, the work got done. Praise God for that. Gives us hope. And look at verse 16. When our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid, and they fell greatly in their own esteem. I love that. They thought they were pretty cool, and they thought they could lull Nehemiah away and get rid of him, but suddenly they felt differently about themselves, and here's why. Because they saw that the work had been accomplished with the help of God. That, that should be in our lives. People should look at Linda and go like, man, how could you recover from a fall like that? Right? Well, yeah, but... But Nikki, you've been through all this stuff with you know, foster kids, and how could you keep putting up with that? Right? So they look at our lives, and they, they go, oh, well, you're not strong enough to do that. We're like, yeah, I know. But he is. And when they face really nasty stuff in their lives, and they look at our lives and go, well, you made it through. I think one of the reasons why God allows difficult stuff to happen in our lives is so we go like this. And then the people around us are like, how are you even holding on? And you're like, don't you see my finger right now? <laughs> like, well, how could you get through that? Well, right? 
it gives us an opportunity to praise him in the middle of the hard stuff. And, and that's not fair, and I don't like it. But as my dad would say, that's a nasty case of the normals. That we will face difficult things, and we will be able to point people to who got us through. So Nehemiah did in 52 days what had not been done for 140 years. The people had gotten used to burned gates and broken down walls. That's all they ever knew for three generations. They didn't even hear stories of the walls anymore. And suddenly it's done? Amazing. Now, as I was thinking about this passage and as I was praying for Caneo, um, I, I was actually out on Westlake Lake. And I was thinking and praying about you guys. And, and there's just something about being peaceful and getting away from the right of the freeways that helps. And, and I felt like the Lord was showing me, hey, just like happened in Nehemiah, I'm going to build some things through you, through this church. And, and God was showing me you, your faces and your stories and your families and some of you who are fairly new to Conejo, uh, I mean, I think about Julie, you and Rick, and, and I think about Linda, I, th- I, think about, I think about Rob and Shannon, I think about some of the people that God's brought. It's like, what, what's he going to do next? And, and, and I was getting some answers to that already, but, but I feel like the Lord, it was really an invitation for the Lord to say, I want you to listen, because I'm going to be building through you, through your lives in this community, some beautiful things that will last forever. And, and a couple things that, that I know already, he wants to make us into a deep, faithful, that's an important word, uh, community, a family um, that follows Jesus in real life. Sometimes people think Christians are all like pretend, Sunday school-ish. He wants, he wants us to be a family of faith that people look at and go like, they're real. Amen. And they go through real things in real ways with a real Jesus. He wants to restore people's faith in Jesus through your life. People are going to see how you follow him and go, oh, maybe I could do that. He wants to restore people's hope because people have lost so much hope. Uh, he wants to restore people's, uh, uh, renew people's faith in his word because his word lasts forever and a lot of people have given up on it. Don't spend any time in it. It's not a priority. It's not even a thing. I, I believe he wants to rebuild a whole bunch of broken lives and broken families. And, and people are not who they used to be. And, and then as, as a whole bunch of those people start gathering, broken people made whole, the community starts noticing, like, wait a minute. There's something going on, right? Those people are following Jesus in real life, and he's changing people in, he's changing all of them. I want to be part of that. Right so, man, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing, we'll talk about that more and more, I'm sure. Um, but I just wanted to let you know, and also pray for me as I'm listening to the Lord on our behalf, that the Lord would show me what he wants to build this year and following. Will you do that? So I want to invite the the band up, and uh, someone may have to grab David because I think he's outside, and he's part of the band. So he is is with the youth. So Alex is going to go find him. So, yeah, he's having a smoke. I heard that. (laughs) Setting a good example for our youth. So what, what is the good that God has you building right now? And it's not putting a new bathroom in your house. That's, that's fine, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about eternal good, spiritual good, lasting good, something that lasts 
long after you are pushing up daisies, right? What's the good that God is building through your life right now? What is distracting you from doing it? So it could be in your life, it's a stop, start, stop, start, you know, like, hey, I'm building this thing, but I got this going on. Once I get that, no, then there'll be another thing. And, but once I get through that, no, there'll be another thing. What are the distractions that are coming against it? And know where they're coming from, right? The enemy wants to keep you from being who God wants you to do and building what Jesus has set you out to build because it's a threat. Because as you follow him, you become more like Jesus, and so do the people around you. He doesn't want that. So what's the good work he's called you to, and what is the distraction that's coming against it? Maybe it's a few different distractions. Just allow the Lord to put those in your mind. Oh, yeah, I've got this person that keeps... Well, I get distracted because I'm so worried about Ukraine, and I'm always on the news, and I'm... What are the distractions that are keeping you from doing what the Lord has called you to do next? Just bring those to him and say, Lord, here's my, here's my bucket of distractions. And then ask him this, what should I do about it? What good is he doing? What's keeping you from it? What does he want you to do about it? And just get real, and we're going to sing two songs, and just bring those before the Lord and just say, Lord, here's the stuff that I feel like has, has got me right now. Um, and, and then I want to ask you this too. If you're willing, come pray with somebody about what God is stirring up in your mind, in your heart. So um, maybe Rick and Julie, can I put you guys over here maybe to sit on the front of the stage and people can come pray with you? And Leslie, would you go over on that side in a minute? And then if you just want to come and pray with somebody and just say, yeah, I do feel like God was speaking to me today. Actually, you should say it like this. I feel like God was speaking to me today. That's better. Um, not with dread, with excitement. And say, but here, here's what I want prayer for. Here's the thing that feels stuck. Here's the thing that needs help. Okay? So we're going to sing these songs. You can stand. You can sit. You can kneel. You can come pray with somebody. But just allow the Lord to remove distractions from what he has called you to do. Amen? You guys can go ahead and stand with me. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. Live for you. Jesus, name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. Live for you. Oh, we live for you. So we sing holy. There is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show 
with your heart and lead me in love to those around me. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Oh, we live for you Jesus Jesus, name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Oh, we live for you So we sing holy There is no one like you There is none beside you Open up my eyes in wonder Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Oh, holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead
sing one more song so you can spend a little more time with the Lord, but I, I feel like there's somebody or somebody's in the room or out, out online. Hi, everybody online this morning. Good morning. Uh, the thing that may be keeping you from building what God wants to build through your life is self-doubt. Like, I can't do this. I'm not worthy. I'm not capable. What could God actually do through me? I'm just me. And, and I feel I want to encourage you, look at the disciples. They were a mess. Uh, I, I, I defy you to find a whole bunch of really healthy people in Scripture that God used. They're from all walks of life, all kinds of issues. They're all pretty darn real. And God used their stuff. He recycles people. He takes what's damaged and broken and not so useful, and he uses it for his glory. And so I, would, I want to just challenge you this way. Ask God to show you what, he, what you look like to him and live into that. And so I want to just challenge you, if, if you want to come pray with somebody, Leslie's here, Julie and Rick are over here, just come pray with somebody during this next song and say, I need somebody to believe this with me, or I need to leave this behind. This distraction, this doubt, this frustration, this habit, i got to walk out of here free. Come pray with somebody. Uh, if you're too scared to do that, uh, get over it. <laughs> and, uh, and let's sing this, this last song.